We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. And I'm sorry right now, guys, if I don't have much juice left in me. Because that game that we're about to talk about was mentally and emotionally exhausting from a Colts fan perspective. Now, before we even get into this game, I do want to say thank you to every single person uh, uh, during the streams today that made this game fun in some way. We had, at the peak, we had 2,500 people watching me stream from either playback or YouTube at the same time. There were 2,300 people in YouTube at one point. It's incredible, guys. Like, we... we the biggest stream we ever had on this channel before was the last game of last season when we lost to the Jags and the Colts or the, you guys brought 1100 of you in there at one point. Wow. And we doubled that more than doubled that on this year's first stream of the year. So I greatly appreciate from the bottom of my heart, Anyone that watched on playback or on YouTube, I greatly appreciate it. And again, guys, the subscribers, the new subscribers we got were insane. We were we gained almost 500 new subs uh, during that stream alone. So we greatly appreciate all the new subscribers, all the new members, anyone that just watched and interacted. We greatly appreciate all of your guys' support. But let's break into this game. So. The Colts went into week one having not won a season opener in over eight years. And the Colts outdid themselves in a lot of ways this week by not only not winning, but they didn't lose either. So this game ended in a tie between the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Cody, before we get into anybody's play, your initial reaction to hearing that. That's so Colts, man. That's so Colts. Oh, <laughs> so my gosh. Colts, bro. Um, I tell you what, man. I, I This game, you know, one of the most infuriating games I've ever watched. Um, you know, I think it was about equal with 
the amount I was screaming angrily at the stupidity on the field. And then I was getting my, you know, excited again when they were coming back. And then, yes. of course, that's so Colton ends in the stupidest way possible. Um, you know, the team does everything right except for their 95-pound kicker who couldn't who couldn't kick a field goal. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting we'll angry. We'll talk about I'm that getting, in a second. I'm getting angry. But, um, but yes, yes. Uh, I tried to take a nap, and I was so angry I found out that I couldn't take a nap, so I just decided to keep watching, and I probably should have just taken a nap. So. <laughs> No, you didn't. You wanted to see the mayhem. You know, you love that shit. You love that, don't you? Uh, I, I just <laughs> whatever, don't man. Anymore, man. I, look, it, it, we're gonna break down all of this, okay? Let's kind of let's just get into the stats real quick. Kind of right. like let's kind of break down some of the players here, okay? So obviously, Indy had a three nothing lead going into the second quarter. Houston had that touchdown to OJ Howard. Colts couldn't move the ball at all in the second or third quarter and Texans took a 10 to three lead on us going into half. Then they scored another 10 points in the third quarter when we scored none. So it looked like going into the fourth quarter that the Colts had no shot. It looked like they had no shot of coming back into this the way they were playing. And then in the fourth quarter, the Colts decided to score a touchdown on or score points on every offensive drive that they had in that game leading up to the end and ended up tying the game. And then ultimately no points were made in the overtime practice. And we're going to talk about that shortly, but let's talk about Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's first start as an Indianapolis Colt finishes the game 32 of 50 for 352 yards, one touchdown and one interception with a QBR of 83.1. So from Matt Ryan's perspective, what did you think of Matt Ryan's play? I mean, outside of the interception, which, you know, how much do you blame it on Ryan versus just a good read by the defender? It was on a screen pass. Um, I thought Matt Ryan was really, really good for the Colts. You know, he had a few overthrows here and there, but I thought when it mattered, um, especially in that fourth quarter and even overtime, uh, Matty Ice was perfect. He was great. You know, I thought he played virtually flawless. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to say though, you know, the first couple quarters, he did not look as great. You know, yeah. he, you know, and then maybe that was in part due to the receivers dropping the ball, which we'll probably get into. Just absolutely ridiculous how many drop balls there were, um, and you know, and the offensive line not protecting him well for a while, and he was under under constant pressure for yeah. a while there. They seemed to settle in there in that, you know, fourth quarter and overtime and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I thought overall based off of what was going on around him, Matt Ryan did pretty much everything he could do, um, you know, given the circumstances and, you know, some of the incomplete passes, like we talked about, they weren't on Matt Ryan. That was on the receivers. Um, so yeah. yeah, all things considered, I thought it was a good, you know, inaugural game for Matt Ryan in the Colts uniform. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I thought Matt Ryan did okay. You know, I thought there were a couple throws, like you said, that obviously he shouldn't have made or made better. But then again, like you said, given the circumstances of a few things, you know, Matt Ryan especially, I mean, even in times when he had to run, you know, I mean, there were times where he even ran for first downs late in that game. So, again, Matt Ryan did a very good job of understanding the situations he was in. Messed up a few times, but for the majority of the game, he was accurate and was making good passes nonetheless. So, 
I'm happy with what I saw from Matt Ryan. I think that they need to add on and they obviously need to get better help from the receivers going forward. But Matt Ryan in general, I think did okay uh, in his first game, but uh, for, for the rushing. So Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries for 161 yards, average 5.2 yards a carry and the touchdown Matt Ryan, four carries for 12 yards. Obviously that includes his sack totals. And then Naheem Hines only had three rushes for four yards. So Jonathan Taylor, again, uh, Cody, I mean, Jonathan Taylor looked like the same old Jonathan Taylor that we remember from last year. He did, yeah. He definitely continues to, you know, be considered widely as the best running back in football for good reason. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was carrying the Colts in the fourth quarter. I mean, he really was. They were running on the back of Jonathan Taylor. He was the reason why their offense was humming in that fourth quarter. He was keeping them really balanced offensively. So, yeah, JT looked really good again. You know, I thought the Colts could have been a little bit less predictable at certain times giving him the ball. I mean, like you mm-hmm. and I could have told told you what was going on yeah. pre-snap with how predictable they were at times. But I think when he was given the opportunity and the, and the offensive line was able to block for him, he, he made the most of those opportunities. So, yeah, JT was not an issue at all. I thought he played really well. Like he talked about over, I think he said 150 plus yards on the day for JT. So just another great game from him and, you know, shouldn't expect anything less from him at this point. And he was, you know, I think honestly the MVP of the offense again. So yeah, great to see JT continuing to basically pick up where he left off last year. And then for receiving totals, uh, Michael Pittman finished the game with 13 targets, had nine receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown, yep. looking like the wide receiver one for sure. Uh, Naeem Hines, six catches for 50 yards. Doolin, three catches for 46 yards. Harris Campbell, three catches for 37 yards. Mike Strawn had two catches for 36 yards. Molly Cox, two for 26. Both of those coming late in the game when it mattered. Kylan Granson, three catches for 22 yards, got utilized a lot in that late fourth quarter uh, in the overtime as well. Taylor also finished with four catches for 14 yards. Um, Let's start with Pittman first. Let's ignore everything else for a second. Let's talk about Pittman. Pittman looked very, very good. I mean, he looked like the number one, and it was great to see Michael Pittman do what he was doing, making those plays in times that they needed him. It did. Yeah, Pittman was phenomenal. Again, like he just finds ways to get open. Um, And that touchdown he had, that was just muscling through the defender. You know, that was a great play. It was a great play. Yeah. You know, like that was very JTS-esque, like just just basically running through a couple guys and getting into the end zone. Uh, You love to see that from Pittman after the catch. So, yeah, man, I mean, I I loved what I saw from him. You're right. A lot of people said the Colts don't have a number one wide receiver. Well, yes, they do. Michael Pittman Jr. is that guy. He is the number one wide receiver. We knew that him and Matt Ryan would have that connection, and he just showed again, man, why uh, the Colts were comfortable enough to to not try to get a number one, as a lot of people thought they should, because they believed that they already had that in Michael Pittman Jr. He showed out again today. Well, I'll say this. If you had Michael Pittman on your fantasy roster today, uh, you're definitely happy with a PPR uh, schedule. Even if you weren't even on PPR, still had – gotten you 18 yard 18 points if you're not even in PPR so yeah at the end of the day Michael Pittman did great um looking at the rest of this though I will say this Heinz Heinz did very well 
Hines did what I expected him to do. In those situations, Hines did very well catching the ball and getting those big catches early and often, late and often as well. I mean, six catches for 50 yards. Naeem Hines did what he does. I liked what I saw out of Hines. But then when you talk about the rest of the group, right? Uh, Doolin's catches coming late. Harris Campbell's catches majority coming in late. Strawn had one big catch late in the game, one big catch early in the game. Yeah. Molly Cox, his came late. Kylan Granson, his came late. Jonathan Taylor, it was uh, widened out. Alec Pierce dropped both his targets. So, like, it, it sucks, man, because it's like, it was a common trend. Like, up until the fourth quarter, none of these guys stepped up. Outside of Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman was the only one getting stuff done in the beginning of this game before the fourth quarter came around. So this is very concerning that the fact that, you know, Doolin, Campbell, Pierce all had times where they were unavailable in this game and not contributing to this team. And Alec Pierce dropping a touchdown early in the game, which would have put you up 10 nothing to start this game. And that game would have been maybe a little different. Yep. But it's it's the same thing as before. And I'm sorry, it would have put them up 7 nothing instead of 3 nothing. But that touchdown could have meant a lot of difference in that. I mean, and then yeah. Pierce, when he got his freaking head knocked out, I mean, he still dropped that ball before he even got hit. I mean, I know it's first game. And I know it's it, it might have been struggles from a bunch of different reasons. But it's very scary to know that Pittman was the only one doing anything up until the fourth quarter. Again, why we said a vet receiver was needed. These guys are young. You don't know what you have in these guys, right? Like, as good as Pierce might be, he's not there yet. Which is just, it's baffling to me why Ballard thinks that the wide receiver group is fine. Like, it's clearly not. Like, it just doesn't make any logical sense to me why he just just gets that smug look on his face and thinks everything's okay. When it's not. You know, they very well may be good players down you know, in the future. But right now, you need a proven number two guy. And you do not have a proven number two guy. You don't. I don't care. I like Ashton Doolin. I like these other receivers. But you do not have a number two guy right now who catches things that are thrown to him. You know, all these guys, I feel like, maybe had drops at some point. You know, and, and that's just unacceptable. That's just not something that you can do. You know, so... Yeah, I think it even furthers the point of Ballard. You need to get off your high horse and get a veteran wide receiver in here. You need to get Michael Pittman Jr. help because this was the Houston Texans, one of the worst teams last year. And your wide receivers couldn't even get open until the fourth quarter. That's a concern to me, Derek. That is a concern because you're going to play a lot better defenses than the Houston Texans. Let me just tell you that. And if you have any sort of Super Bowl aspirations or even playoff aspirations, you have to have other weapons. You have to. The Colts yeah. don't right now. Hundred percent. And I mean, Naheem Hines is Naheem Hines is a great weapon, but he's not a receiving weapon pure through and through. And you're not going to throw the ball to him uh, fifteen times a game like you are with Michael Pittman, right? Like you. And I mean, the top targeted receivers. So the top the top targeted receivers. Pittman with thirteen. Ashton Doolin got targeted six times in this game. Paris Campbell only got targeted four. Mike Strawn only got targeted two. And Alec Pierce only got targeted two. So, like, your number one receiver is getting these targets, 
but the other, but you're only like the rest of the receivers are only getting the same number of targets as your number one. Like that's not going to get the job done. Like you have to get more guys that are going to be reliable at every single moment. Now I thought that when these guys made catches that they made some great plays with it. But the problem is you can't be inconsistent like this going forward. And you're right. Like maybe Ballard's optimism fooled a lot of people. I know it definitely fooled you and I every once in a while, but you're right. Like we cannot keep having this. And especially in the red zone, when you're struggling, you need to do something about it. So before we get into the, the offensive situational awareness, which we'll talk about here in a second, let's talk about this offensive line. Okay. Mm. So offensive line, at times, looked like the original Indianapolis Colts offensive line that we all know and love. They had times where they ran blocked very well, and they pass blocked really well. And then there were times, especially early in that game, Matt Ryan couldn't even have time to dissect the defense because he was getting pressured off the edge. Nelson blew one block that I saw that was really bad. Thankfully, Matt Ryan made a miss, and then he got the first. Braden Smith looked god awful in pass protection today. So, like, what is it to make of this offensive line? You just you are paying this offensive line more money than any other team in the NFL, and yet you still cannot rely on them to consistently pass block and run block against the Texans front four. It is concerning, man. I don't know what it is with Braden Smith. Every single, like last season, he had the same issues starting off. He was terrible. I don't know what the deal is, uh, right? Like he got paid and then he just kind of has not been the, the right tackle we thought he has consistently. So, yeah, I'm concerned about this offensive line. Like, what is the deal, man? You know, why, why does this keep happening every single time? Um, yeah, I was concerned, especially Braden Smith, a guy that you think's got like a fringe top 10, top five right tackle in the leagues getting beat up by a 33, 34-year-old pass rusher, Jerry Hughes. He might be a good player, but he's not elite. He's not to Braden Smith's level. That's just not the case. So, yeah, he got abused today. It's just not cool to see that at all from your you know right tackle that you've paid a ton of money to. And you're right, you've invested a lot. And this offensive line just has to be better. And Matt Pryor got benched as well, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Bernard Ryman got a little bit of a look. And I think Matt Pryor came back into the game as well. Um, but yeah, that is concerning as well. Left tackle, you know, what, what's going to be the deal there with, with, with the, uh, left tackle situation is Ryman going to potentially get more opportunities moving forward, you know? So I don't know, man, this offensive line, all that to say, they really did struggle. I know the, the Matt Ryan and Ryan Kelly had some issues with three dropped snaps today. And I think that was more on Matt Ryan than Ryan Kelly, but they got to get that figured out too. Uh, Derek, you'll notice a trend with this team. Like the fact that they tied this game is just amazing to me. Because yeah, of all the stupid things that they did today. You know, with the, the drop touchdown by Alec Pierce. They went forward a fourth down. They got stuffed, right? That's at least three points, if not seven points, off the board right there, right? Blankenship goes and kicks it and just completely shanks it at the end of that. That's another three points. And they had so many other opportunities where they just screwed it up. How many times did the Colts just turn the ball over on stupid plays where they were driving and then they just make one stupid play and they just kill their drive? Right, so the fact that the Colts were able to come back and honestly should have won that game, um, that's just amazing to me that they did that because they were very out of sync today. It was very obvious they were out of sync today. Um, so you know what? 
as much as it sucks to tie, I'm okay with it because you played like dog crap for three quarters. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I said it. It's it. It would be a miracle if the Colts pulled this game off, and they did. And they pulled it back into a situation where they definitely could have won. I mean, that's incredible that that was able to happen. And I think it goes to show the leadership of Matt Ryan as well, knowing that there was still a chance and Matt Ryan having that optimism. You know what? The, one of the few things I loved about the offense was when Pittman scored that touchdown to tie that game, Matt Ryan jumps over the entire pile to jump on Pittman to catch like 37 year old Matt Ryan jumps <laughs> over on top of Pittman to freaking give him a high five and just tackle that dude. Like, come yeah. on. I mean, that's, that is the energy that you needed. Like it sucks that this offense in the fourth quarter was the offense we were looking to get all game. And it just didn't come out till the fourth quarter. So at the end of the day, that's a great segue into what we need to talk about next. And I know you definitely have some opinions on this. And I have some opinions on it too. Why did it take four quor- three quarters for this team to finally wake up and finally start doing something? Why? Why again, through three quarters... Did, were we saying that this is the most abysmal performance that we have ever seen from the Indianapolis Colts? And we just watched them six months ago, eight months ago, lose a game to the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> who were looking like the, the trash heap of the NFL, and you got blown out by them. And then this game looked very similar to that. Meaning you didn't you didn't do well in situational awareness. Your players didn't execute. It looked like the same BS from before. Why is it that we saw that through three quarters? I mean, situational awareness was bad. Defensive uh, adjustments were bad. Uh, offensive adjustments were bad. Lack of execution on everywhere. Like, Frank, how much more do we need to keep seeing this? There is no reason that going into the fourth quarter against the Houston Texans that you were losing by 17 and had three freaking points. There is no reason for that. And you, your defenses were crap too through the three quarters as well. They weren't as bad as the offense, but it certainly wasn't elite defense like we're used to seeing. Yeah, and again, like it just it has to come back to the head coach. Like I, I talked about it a little bit at the halftime stream we had. New quarterback, new defensive staff, you know, new personnel. What's the common denominator here? It's been Frank Reich. It has been Frank Reich and his inability to get his team prepared to play week one. Now they were fortunate enough that Matt Ryan and the boys, you know, came back and the defense held, right? Because that was horrible. That was completely awful against one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. Like that is just unacceptable. Like you cannot have that happen. Um, So yeah, I mean, I just, I have to blame Frank Reich because that's the common denominator here, Derek. And you know, like we were even saying, I still think it might still be something where does Frank Reich deserve to be on the hot seat. I kind of think he does. 
Because yeah, even even with we said it, even if he won this game, you absolutely deserve it because you cannot every single freaking year in week one continue to have this happen. You cannot. It's been happening every year you've been a coach. You have not gotten this team ready to win games, and you gave them a cupcake matchup. In the first week, it was probably the second easiest game you could have all in the entire NFL, and you still look like you got outplayed for three of those four quarters mm-hmm. and outcoached. Yeah. yeah, you got outcoached. You totally did. You were getting dominated. You invested so much in this offensive defensive line that the fact that you got your butt kicked for three quarters is absolutely unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. And Frank Reich needs to be held accountable for this, man. They need to help me. Like, things are going to need to change here, man, pretty soon if this has not changed. Because, like, this is – it's coming to the point, Derek, during this game where I was like – it was a third down and, like, one. And I was like, the Colts are going to screw this up. They fumbled it and they lost the ball. It's just like it's so predictable at this point how they're going to screw it up. You just don't know what ways. And if this crap continues to happen next week in Jacksonville again – Honestly, I don't think he. I don't think he's back next year. Like, and maybe some people oh, no. are saying yeah. not too much. But like, if it looks Jim like this, if it looks like this all season, then Frank's got to go. No, hundred percent, got to go. And like he, the the sad, the sad thing is, he has good ski. Like he's a good offensive mind. But when it comes to being head coach, he continue continues to struggle when it comes to preparing his team to play Week One. Heck, you even like made you you did things this preseason. And in training camp to make sure you'd be ready for week one. And you still came out for three quarters. You got your butt absolutely handed to you. And and you said after the preseason game was over, the last one, you said, oh, well, it was insanely vanilla offense. Like, you know, I mean, we, we showed absolutely nothing, you know, that was going to be in our playbook. Okay, where was that for three quarters then? Where was yeah. it? I mean, where was it? Yeah. I mean, and and you know what? To his defense, too. Matt Ryan also didn't help matters by fumbling a snap three times. Like th- right. everyone wanted to blame Kelly, but that's on Ryan. It hit his freaking hands. You got to catch those. You yep. know, you can't, you can't be going so fast that you, you forget how to handle the ball. And that's not something that that's just something that somebody like Matt Ryan cannot have happen. It just can't happen like that. No. So I guess that's another thing we forgot to mention is, you know, Matt Ryan did not make things easier either by not doing a good job of securing the ball in times like that. I mean, look, Frank Reich, dude, you got to you got to fix something, dude. You got to do something. You got to make this offense more dynamic. You have too many playmakers to be so to be so standard. You have to be bigger than this. Let's go to the defensive side of things here, Cody. So, okay. obviously, from the end of the game, we said it. Like, this team looked like the 2022 Colts that we were expecting in the fourth quarter, yeah. right? So, I mean, we look at the defensive stats. Um, Ended up having, uh, def- I mean, yeah, Zaire Franklin was the leading tackler with eight. Quiddy Pay had seven uh, tackles with two sacks in this game, both yeah. coming in overtime when the game was on the line and he gave the Colts Every opportunity to win that game, he had 13 total yards sack by himself on that drive alone. So great job to Quiddy Pay. When the moment became the biggest, Quiddy Pay rose to the occasion. I love to see it. I loved seeing that. Bobby O'Karake 
Kenny Moore and EJ Speed both with three or with seven tackles in this game as well. Outside of that, I mean, the only turnover that was forced was EJ Speed forcing a turnover on the strip sack by Davis Mills and the force Buckner picked it up, which by the way, I don't think the Colts ended up scoring on that. Uh, or no, they got three points, I think, off that. Yeah, they got three points off that. So again, the defense put your offense in great position to score and you still couldn't get it done for a touchdown when they gave you the ball at the 20-yard line. But anyway, so defensive-wise, I mean, let's talk away from the fourth quarter and overtime here for a split second. Quarters one through three, they gave up. So Davis Mills went 23 of 37 for 240 yards, two touchdowns, and had a QBR of 98.9. That's really freaking good. Rex Burkhead finished the game with 14 carries for 40 yards. Damian uh, Pierce, 11 carries for 33 yards. So, you know, from a yardage standpoint, this defense didn't do bad at stopping the run. It was just on those drives. There were drives where they put together great runs, and then there were drives that they just didn't. And then from the defensive standpoint for the pass coverage, Brandon Cooks had seven catches for 82 yards, especially that big flea flicker that was for 40 yards to start the half. OJ Howard, his two catches for today, both went for touchdowns over the middle of the field. Chris Moore had three catches for 31 yards. Burkhead, five for 30. Nico Collins, two for 26. And Farrell Brown had one catch for 17 yards. I mean, for the first three quarters, this defense certainly did not look very good, Cody. Mm, no, there was no pass rush either. Like, what yeah, we talked the first all about, three quarters, there wasn't. Yeah. No, we talked all about, oh, the Colts are going to have an improved pass rush. And for three quarters, they did not get to Davis Mills at all. You know, they did not do a whole lot at all to disrupt him and disrupt his timing. And then they started to bring it a little bit on the fourth quarter and overtime. And, you know, I'll give credit to defense, fourth quarter and overtime. They were lights out, man. They were absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, they, you know, just too many dumb plays, too many big plays allowed. You talk about the flea flicker to start the second half. That's just unacceptable, obviously. And then the two touchdowns given up um, as well. Um, those things are just like, those things can't happen. You can't have those big plays allowed. And, and, uh, you know, the defense, you know, outside of those plays, I thought they played really well. Uh, but yeah, there was just a couple, there was just a couple too and, many big plays here in this game. And the penalties too. A couple yes. of defensive pass interferences on Kenny Moore, which moved the, the chains, uh, several times, like, and that just, that just can't happen. You know, I mean, it, it's something like that just can't happen. I mean, is it safe to say that the defense was really missing Shaquille Leonard there today? Yeah, I mean, tight end, right? Tight end scored a lot. That's kind of Shaquille Leonard right there. So, yeah, I think they were missing him. Although I do think in certain plays like Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed obviously had some nice plays too. But, yeah, definitely can tell you're missing Shaquille Leonard in there. Yeah, I just think, I mean, defensive-wise, I mean, I just, it, it was it was self-inflicted. You know, yeah. just giving up those two touchdowns to OJ Howard on two catches, you just can't do that. And, you know, the penalties. I mean, outside of that, I thought, you know, there wasn't a lot of plays where Houston looked like their offense was in control. Like, it didn't feel like that very often. It felt more like Indy was just blowing it. And, you know, that's what sucks, is it feels that way a lot of times when it comes to that. But at the end of the day, you know, you just, you got to roll with the punches. Yeah. Holy crap. I just realized that Houston's uh, 
leading tacklers. They had three tacklers that had over uh, 10 tackles today. Wow. Uh, Grugier Hill had 18 total tackles. Wow, really? Jonathan Owens had 15, and Jalen Petrie had 11. That's crazy, Holy man. Cow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right when in terms of uh, you know, just un- just stupid things like even that uh, that roughing the punter, you know, and then yeah, we'll you, get into special teams them first here in a down. second. Yeah, yeah. But also, I wanted to say, even though the defense had some issues, I felt like they rebounded well, and the defense played well enough for you to win this game. Oh yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Oh. Um, yeah. So kind of, let's go to special teams. Uh, well. Uh, kick returns, there wasn't any. Yep. Punt returns, Hines had a couple of decent ones, but I hated the fact that he almost fumbled the game away at the very end there. Um, let's go into punting and kicking here. Punting, uh, before we get into kicking, uh, punting, good job by Matt Hawk, right? With those, he pinned, with four punts, he pinned them inside the 23 times. I mean, it's sounding like Matt Hawk was a great investment for the Colts, Cody. Yes, he is. He was a great, I think he was the best player on special teams for the Colts again today. So yeah, great, great find there. Like you said before, the uh, roughing the punter, terrible. Can't do that. That viewer had them backed up inside their own end zone. And then you did that. And then that gave them a first down and then prevented you from getting points. Hines had the ball at our own 45 yard line. That would have been amazing field position had that would have been through, but no, they had to make mistakes. And then other penalties, kicking-wise. Listen, folks, I'm not here to sugarcoat it anymore. Cody and I have been hot rod guys from the get-go, okay? We like hot rod. But he has got to go. There is no excuse anymore for... You want to talk about the biggest reason why we lost this game? That's the guy right there. Two times in the fourth quarter... When you needed to stop them to be able to have good field position to make a play two times in the fourth quarter, actually one time in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line, when you tied the game and you couldn't give them good field position, you kick it out of bounds. Next play, when you go into overtime and they get the ball to start, You kick it out of bounds again, again, both times, setting the Texans up. If this was any better of a team, folks, you lose. You lose. That game is a loss because of Hot Rod if we're playing any better of an offense. And then on top of it, to miss the game-winning field goal with time expiring, I can't, I for anyone that can say that this is one game, don't bother it, Three times Hot Rod almost ruined this game for us. Three times. And this isn't the first time that he's almost lost the game for us before. He's been several times when Hot Rod has been a huge part of us losing games. The special teams kicker is just as important as any other football player in the NFL. If they suck, you don't win football games. And it is clear Hot Rod is not up for this job. He is not up for this team. No, absolutely not. Like you just said it. I don't I don't want to like rehash what you said, but if you can't rely on your field goal kicker to make a 40-yard field goal, 
You have issues. Yes. You have issues. And if he can't even kick it to the back of the end zone, if his leg is really that weak, he should be kicking for the Canadian Football League. Yes. I don't care anymore. I am tired of sugarcoating it. I'm tired of people standing up for him. He is not the guy, and he needs to be gone by tomorrow, and I don't care anymore. You I just, really do. My patience has run thin with Hot Rod. I am sorry. I am done with this. I am done hoping that he'll be the guy because he's clearly not the guy. Yeah. He's kicking inside. If he can't make that, then I don't know who else, what else he can make. Because <laughs> clearly, if the Colts want to get to the playoffs, heck, Derek, okay, you know what? Here we go. I'm going to get on a rant here. When the Colts went to the Super Bowl, how did they win the game against the Baltimore Ravens? Did they win because of their high-powered offense? No. They won because Adam Vinatieri made five field goals in that game. Five. Five field goals when the Colts won. Yeah. Right? That's how you win in the playoffs. You have a kicker who can do it. Heck, that's how the Bengals won last year. Yeah, McPherson was a freaking rookie. The man can make anything from from within 60 yards. Anything. Like he's been in the league for a third of the time of Hot Rod. And you're telling me that he can't make those kicks? I'm not asking him to make 55 yarders consistently, even outside a 42-yard field goal, which he probably practices outside every day, like 20 times a day, and you can't make that. When the game is on the line, when it matters the most, you fault under pressure. And it was funny, Reich in the press conference right after says, Reich says a 42-yard field goal should be in the 80 percentile range. Felt confident Hot Rod would make it. Oh, really? You don't say. You're thinking your kicker should make it. Well, guess what? He's not making them. It doesn't matter if you think they should make it. He's not making them. In the biggest of moments, time and time again, he has been screwing us over. And in that game, I'm telling you, if that would have been a better offense, if that is the Kansas City Chiefs playing us in that moment in time when Hot Rod did that, we lose. We lose the game because he's giving them 20-plus extra yards for no reason whatsoever other than he can't kick it straight. Kick it straight. I don't care if you get it in the field. Just kick it straight. Like, it's not that hard. You have one job in the NFL. Kick the football straight. It's unbelievable. I don't care if you they field it at the 10, 15-yard line. I don't care. Your guys should be there to get there. That's what they're on the field for, to stop that from happening. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me why the culture's so in on Hot Rod. Like, I just don't get it. Like, he's clearly shown when it matters he can't make it. It's just ridiculous. Like, we have tried to give him benefit of the doubt after benefit of of the doubt, and he continues to screw us over. I am done with this. You can go find a guy on the street that can make a 42-yard field goal. Do it. Find a guy on the street. I don't care anymore. I know a guy that can make a 35, 40-yard field goal. I know a guy. Like, just do that. Come on, man. Yep, and (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, if this was any other player that was playing so bad and it was costing your team the game, you'd bench the player. You'd find somebody else. But no, apparently with Hot Rod, we got we just got to keep going insane. You know, we just got to keep this insanity up. And I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired of 
feeling an uncomfortable feeling when when he trots out there to try yeah. to kick a field goal. I have no confidence anymore. None. I got no confidence in it anymore. And anyone says that they do is ridiculous. And when you have to go out there and and stress that your field goal kicker is going out there, you know that he's not the guy. I'm sorry. You know he's not the guy when no. you have to be stressed out at this moment going on. Listen, guys, no. at the end of the day, the Colts showed at the end of the game that they have the power to win these games and things need to be polished. At the end of the day, it's what it is. But, I mean, it's just, it's saddening that it came down to this. Like, I mean, the fact that your offensive line struggled again, the offense couldn't get anything going until the fourth quarter, your second leading receiver only had 46 yards. I mean, it, it just, it can't continue to happen like this. There's only, I mean, Cody, there are only, I think there may be four guys. Um, I think four guys on this team that are safe from what this performance this week. That's Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman's one of them. Matt Hawk is the other one. And I don't know if I can give another. I don't know if I can give another. I mean, great, I really don't know problem. if I can give another. Yeah. I I just, oh my gosh. It was, it was an ugly game. But, you know, and the Colts basically shot themselves in the foot like 10 times in this game. As, so, as usual with Colts football. But, but here's the thing. They still were able to almost win the game. Yes. Which I think is encouraging. If you go out and play like your worst football and you're still able to come back and probably should have won if you have a competent kicker. I mean, yeah, I, I'm encouraged by that. At least you didn't lose, I guess. I mean, I, I hate ties. I think they're a dumb rule. Um, I think it's probably the worst rule in football, honestly. But, yeah, it is what it is, man. At least you're not 0-1. You're 0-0-1. Um, so maybe that will help in terms of, like, playoff seeding and stuff like that. But obviously you'd like to be 1-0 right now, and you're not. So it's kind of like, how do we feel? You know, we're encouraged in some ways and ticked off in other ways. Yes. And so – yeah, it is what it is, man. I don't know if there's any much more to say to this. I'm honestly exhausted, and I don't want to talk about a stupid kicker yeah, I'm, anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm exhausted and done after this. I mean, I, obviously, like, I mean, we got our emotions out here. We said everything that needs to be said here. Obviously, some good, a lot of bad. At the end of the day, something needs to be done here. Some move needs to be made, and... Obviously, we will keep you guys updated as much as humanly possible with things that happen. We'll have more videos coming out explaining shit that's going on. And I'll probably, I might even do some freaking streams this week as well, breaking down everything that's happening because I don't think I start my new job until like another week from now. So I'll probably be able to come out here and do a few more streams whatsoever. But yeah, let us know your thoughts, guys, in the comments. I'll be... Very excited to li- to look at those. One of the few times I actually enjoy reading comments on a uh, game is that it's this right here. But um, yeah, uh, you guys obviously heard our emotion, our thoughts on this game. Let us know your thoughts. At the end of the day, we move on. Try to do better. Try to beat Jacksonville week two. Let me tell you, I'm going to be stressed out beyond belief. I, I feel like it's going to be the same way for you, Cody. I just I have no faith in this team that they're going to go win in Jacksonville. I, I'm not going to pick them this week, Derek. Like, yeah, and maybe I feel the same way. Like, I, I hate that I have to yeah. say that. 
I can't pick them right now. They give me zero confidence and zero reason to trust that they're going to go in there and take care of business, you know? Zero, zero reason. Like, there's no reason for me to do that. So it's going to suck. But, you know, maybe they'll surprise us next week. I don't know. The beauty of the NFL is it's a week-to-week thing. And next week, it could be completely different. You know, they could be blowing out Jacksonville at this time next week. So we'll see. But all right, guys. Well, yeah. Yep. Thanks so much for bearing with us and staying through the pain a little bit. And uh, hopefully through our pain, it gave you guys some sort of laughter and some sort of solace because we're all frustrated a little bit uh, with this game. And obviously we wish the Colts would have won this game, but you know, it's a tie. It's whatever. Um, But thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, guys, go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.